Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Recorded live. What is up? Field Street Forum Radio is on the air. It is Wednesday, December the 27th, a little after 9 p.m. It is time for Field Street Forum Radio with your host, The Real Dre, soon to be joined by, hopefully, Jason Harry Dog. Anybody else wants to give us a call tonight? The number is 724-444-7444. Then enter that little call ID, 127-467-POUND, or hashtag, depending upon what generation you're from. But tonight, we will be discussing, recapping a little bit of the signing day from last, you know, repercussions of signing day. Finishing that up, there's a couple other signings last week, um, you know, around the country, I guess. Most of Georgia was pretty much done on Wednesday. Um, but then, of course, we're going to talk about Monday, the college football playoff. Semifinal number one in the Rose Bowl, Dogs and Sooners. Man. I, it, what a game, man. It, it's such a great matchup for Georgia, for Oklahoma, for everybody to be watching. I, I, you know, I think a lot of folks are confident. I think both sides are confident, which is kind of a strange, strange scenario. Um, the Oklahoma fans are certainly confident from seeing, you know, some of their fans talk and everything. And, uh, but I think, I think Georgia's got to be confident going in this game too. I mean, you know, nobody's – all four teams, you can make a case for all four teams to win the national championship. You really can. That really isn't the case over the last two or three years um, of the of the football playoff. I mean, I don't think – I think people would have been stunned if, say, Washington would have gone on and, and won the, the national championship last year if Michigan State would have gone on and won the national championship, you know, people would have really been shocked and surprised. But this year, all four teams have a great chance and and really a great argument can be made for all four teams, you know, to be, to win the national championship or to, you know, even be considered a favorite almost, you know, from the one seed to the four seed. But Georgia's got a great chance right here coming up on Monday, and we're going to try to break into that, break that down a little bit more. Uh, of course, and then big thing tonight, we have former Georgia Bulldog, longtime NFL tight end, Troy Sadowski joining us on the program. Uh, really excited to to talk to Mr. Sadowski and everything and, uh, you know, get his take on Georgia football, where they're at, you know, 
how he sees the the college football playoff breaking down. Uh, you know, it, it it's great to get that kind of perspective from a you know a former player. Um, in a long time, I mean, I don't think a lot of folks realize he played eight, nine, ten years in the NFL. Um, just a just a long time NFL player, and just one of those guys that just you know physical dude. You know, not going to blow you away with the with the numbers, but just a physical dude. I mean, you don't last in the NFL without doing a lot of things right. And uh, he was a, he was a long time NFL NFL player. Um, you know, I want to hear, you know, I want to hear from the Georgia fan base. Are you, you know, is, is I've kind of said it with a couple, you know, a few friends, we've kind of discussed that. I, I, it feels weird to feel kind of really feel confident going into this game. I don't, I don't know why, um, but it's kind of like, uh, you know, I just see, you know, the game playing out a certain way. I really feel like Georgia has a good chance to just, you know, play defense, control the ball, which is another, you know, keep that Oklahoma offense on the sidelines. I don't see Oklahoma stopping Georgia often, especially in in the run game, which should then, of course, open up any play-action passing that Georgia wants to do. You know, keep keep the Oklahoma offense on the sidelines. Keep Baker Mayfield, the Heisman Trophy winner, keep him on the sidelines. Build up a lead. Get up. If Georgia can get out to, like, say, a 14-point lead, 17-point lead, by controlling the, the clock and, and shortening the game, so to speak, I really think that's going to ratchet up the pressure for Missouri. I mean, Missouri. I'm sitting here watching Missouri-Texas warm-ups. Uh for Oklahoma to really feel a lot of pressure, like, hey, we got to go out and score. We got to score this time. We got to score here. We got to do this. We got to do that. And it's really going to ratchet up the pressure on them and, and could lead to mistakes. You know, I'd, I'd love to see Georgia get out to a big lead um, and really, really amp up the pressure on on Oklahoma. Um, if, if that's the case, if Georgia can run the ball, which I'd Again, I, I hate making it sound so simple, but if I don't see Oklahoma stopping Georgia's run game, nobody else has done it except for, you know, a very good Auburn defense in a very hostile environment, you know, on the plains in in Auburn. Um, I don't see Oklahoma having having that kind of personnel to be able to stop Georgia's. Georgia's run game. Um, I don't see the crowd affecting Georgia's offensive line calls like was going on in the in the Auburn game. And we saw what happened when when Georgia prepared much more intently for you know for an extended period of time how they shut down Auburn's offense. You know that's another thing is with this defensive staff having a month to prepare for Oklahoma's offense. I just I, I think that bodes well for Georgia as well. You know, not only that, they've got you know, th- this extended layoff really kind of favors to me, I think it kind of favors the team that can run the ball and play defense. Um 
Oklahoma's passing game is, you know, tends to be based more on, you know, on the timing and everything. You're going to have to pressure Mayfield, but not necessarily, you don't have to necessarily sack him. Uh, you know, you don't have to go out and get five, six sacks against him to really slow them down or to, to affect him. Just get the pressure, make him feel like that pressure is there. And it's a big, it'll be, it'll go a long way into helping Georgia slow them down. Uh, limit them to, you know, eight, nine, ten possessions in the game. Shorten the game. Again, like I was saying earlier, with the run game, shorten it, maybe getting a getting a turnover possibly. Just limit their possessions. And I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it, this is going to be the toughest offense Georgia's faced, no doubt. But I think the counter is true also where Oklahoma hasn't seen a defense like, like Georgia's. Just the speed all across the field. We saw that again. The, probably the closest that Georgia's faced to Oklahoma is is the Missouri game. And I'm, like I said, they're on now in the in the play in Texas. Um, and yeah, Missouri came out and put up a couple of long passes, which you know doesn't exactly bode well. But I think there's a little bit of kind of let down. I don't think they were necessarily expecting Missouri to come out and actually play hard from all they had seen leading up to that point and that point in the season. But to me, the biggest thing is the adjustments that were made at halftime. Second half, they shut Missouri down the whole rest of the game. You know, they they had the two or three big passes early on. Georgia made some adjustments at halftime. I think you kind of pick it up from there you know, and start going forward. Um, you know, you play that style. I think you play a little bit, you know, like you do it did against Auburn in the SEC title game too, because I think Auburn's got a hell of a personnel that you know maybe even a more talented type personnel than than Oklahoma may have. The, the wide receivers at Auburn are outstanding. I don't know, you know, people pay attention to it, but Auburn's receivers are. Strong Stidham is a very good, very good quarterback that Georgia really pressured, got to him. I, I, now, obviously, Carryon Johnson was banged up. You know, Oklahoma's run game can't be ignored. They, they've got a very good run game as well with Sermon, and they've got uh, the Johnson kid. But it's a, uh, you know, I think this defense can slow them down enough. In addition to having that run game, shorten the game, keep the offense, Oklahoma offense on the sideline. That's, and like I said, once you get can get a couple of scores, I don't. That's really going to amp up that pressure on Oklahoma and make them really start pressing quite a bit. Um, you know, Oklahoma had they said the rankings. They had the 40th ranked rushing offense, or excuse me, rushing defense. But what's even beyond that is Oklahoma tended to have, you know, leads in their games. For especially as the season wore on, they maybe faced some folks that weren't quite as good as, as earlier in the season. It made them made the other teams really more one dimensional, where they really focused more on the pass. So I mean, it's hard to say, man. And, and like I said, feeling having the feeling that you might be able to go into this game having a Decided advantage is a little bit 
unnerving to me. I don't know if it's just because I'm, you know, kind of burned, you know, been burned before thinking that Georgia's going to be in a big spot. And then things happen to where, you know, the team doesn't show up prepared. The team doesn't show up and, and make the right read, make the right plays here, where they have, you know, just penalty upon penalty or, or have a dumb turnover, two or three turnovers. You know, I think, I'm hoping, certainly, those days are, are beyond us now. You know, they're, they're, I don't see this team coming out unprepared any longer. And that's, that's, I think, maybe just as reassuring to me as any sort of, you know, thought, you know, per se, an advantage that, you know, Georgia may have one way or the other. Just the fact that this coaching staff will come out and has made sure that this team is prepared and ready to play and ready to roll from from the jump and have been for, you know, certainly since this season. It's just, you know, that, that drive and that desire that this that Kirby has brought and that level of preparation is just so different from what, you know, what we had become accustomed to. And I think some, you know, some fans are still a little nervous. They, they really are. And, and it's hard, it's hard to, to blame anybody for that. There were so many times where we were just ready to say, this is the game. They're going to turn things around. It just it didn't happen. It would be an, a huge egg being laid on the field, and, and it's just hopefully that, like I said, those days are beyond us and, and past us, and uh, Georgia will come out prepared and ready to roll, man. Um, that's kind of my thoughts on it. Um, you know, what is everybody – anybody else thinking the same thing? Anybody, anybody in the chat? We got quite a few in the chat. Uh, if y'all want to give us a call, seven two four 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 seven four four four, and then hit that call ID one two seven four six seven pound or hashtag. And just as I say that, Jason Harry Dog makes his appearance. Just finished up an outstanding breakdown. Thoughts on the game, man. What's up? Where, what do you what do you think, Jay? Everything all right? First of all. Oh no, but you know, I mean, good, it is what it good is. Right na- good right now, anyway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know. Um, but dude, I, I I've just kind of just kind of you know given my reasons for why I feel pretty confident heading into into the game Monday. Um, a confident, but but still feeling uncomfortable because I am confident. Does that make sense? <laughs> oh, heck yeah. Well, you know, I mean, really try to look at it from a unbiased standpoint. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a reason they're there. There's a reason we're there. I mean, both teams have reasons to be confident. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you really want to look. I mean, Heisman Trophy winner, quarterback. You know, our defense gave up some big plus pass plays against Missouri. You know, if you had to say there's a weakness in the defense, you could almost say it's a secondary, even though statistically-wise we have one of the best pass defenses in the nation, but I think that's kind of skewed by Georgia Tech and, you know, all these run teams we play. 
Yeah. So, I mean, other teams have reason to be confident, but I think if you look at it, you know, Oklahoma, from everything I've read from them, they keep going back to beating that Alabama team in the, what, Sugar Bowl, I guess, and then beating yeah. an 8 and 5 Auburn team. And I'm like, okay, number mm-hmm. one, that Alabama team was pissed because they were in the Sugar Bowl. Right. They didn't want to be there. Number two, we're not that 8 and 5 Auburn team, so you can just get over that. If that's what you're basing it on, then you're going to be mighty disappointed. Right. An Auburn team with basically no quarterback. and Yeah, no quarterback. I mean, if that's <laughs> what you're basing it on, you're, you're, you're in for Whether we win or lose, you're in for a shot. Yeah. And, and that's, that's, that's what, what they're basing it on. So, But, I mean, I, I don't know. I just posted a little bit earlier. I'm like, for some reason, I just have a good feeling about this one. Yeah. I mean, their their defense is easily the worst defense out of the four teams left. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, they, they, they're they known to give up chunks of run yards. And, I mean, if we can impose our will there, and, and, I mean, one of the best ways to stop Baker Mayfield is keep them off the field. Yeah. I mean, I think, well, I think it's obvious what we're going to try to do. Right. Do you think we kind of go um, – Offense between the tackles, or we kind of go offense the run game between you know, kind of like we did in the in the SEC title game, where we kind of go side to side. I almost think I mean, we need I to think our bread and butter has been all year between the tackles. So I mean, I would think we probably start with that, and if it didn't work, yeah. and then you know, hit outside. But but man, we look so good running that the toss play still, man, and that's always been a staple of Georgia offense, you know. And and I even think we, I mean, I think it's obvious what we're what we're set out to do. I think they might try to throw some wrinkle in it in the beginning, kind of like we did Mississippi State or whatever. Yeah. But, I mean, I think it's obvious our bread and butter is going to be pounding the rock and keeping Baker Mayfield off the field. And, I mean, yeah. it's like, yeah, I mean, here, you know what's coming. See if you can stop it. Yeah. And I don't so necessarily... far, besides one game, nobody's been able to stop it. Yeah, and that that's one thing I said earlier. It's like that Auburn defense, that stopped Georgia is a hell of an upgrade over what Oklahoma has. And oh, that's, well, that's what I'm saying. All season, I mean, I mean, yeah, we have SEC bias and all that, but I mean, just look at it. I mean, mm-hmm. just, I mean, just look at the evidence. I mean, right. the defenses in the nation, and so all year, none of the best defenses in the nation have been able to stop it except one. Mm-hmm. So, and I mean, I think, the number, what, 59 defense in the nation, I wouldn't think would be able to just stone cold stop it. Right. You know, because a lot of times a team get, keeps hearing, you know, they keep hearing the same thing over and over again where, you know, oh, you can't stop this, you can't you can't do this. And then you go, I guess, you know, kind of inspires you, in other words. But I, even at that point, I don't think there's that much inspiring that can happen you know, between the end of the season to January 1st to, to change that, you know. Maybe oh, yeah. a couple of plays, but I, I just don't see them being able to slow down. And if they do try to load up, the, you know, which everybody always says they're going to do, load the box and stop the run against Georgia, I think Fromm is at a point now, and, and these receivers are at such a point now to where they feel comfortable if they feel like they have to throw the ball, you know, 10, 15, oh, yeah. 20 well, times. 
if if you go back to the Notre Dame game, uh, I mean that may have been Fromm's worst game to be honest. It was first hard on the road at a big, you know, like Notre Dame. Right. But you know, you go back to that and kind of compare it to the way he is now, and I think. I think it's obvious you can. I mean, you know, he's not a freshman anymore, so I think it's obvious you can trust him that much more. Right. But uh, what I think the most interesting matchup to me is going to be Oklahoma's offensive line against our defensive line because mm-hmm. I think Oklahoma's offensive line is as good as, or maybe even a little better than Notre Dame's. Mm-hmm. To be honest, and so. I mean, if we could do their offensive line like we did Notre Dame's, then I think, I mean, they may be in trouble. Mm-hmm. But even know. the Notre Dame game, if you if you look at it, you know, the return kick or the kickoff that was called back for the block in the back, the drop by McColl, I mean, that's oh, yeah. Yeah. right off the bat, probably 14 points right there. That you know, oh, yeah. I mean, we had our worst game there. The only reason I really brought them up was, uh, was, was really for the offensive line. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, and I don't, I don't think Mayfield's as good of a runner as Notre Dame's quarterback. But right. I mean, he, he, he has, he has the ability to escape. So I mean, yeah, he can I hurt you. He can hurt mean, you, too, but he's a, you look at these Big Twelve defenses, and if you want to call them that, and I mean, good gracious, I mean, there's a reason he's a Heisman winner. Not trying to take anything away from him, but. Good Lord. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of people that can stand back with against those defenses and, and look like a Heisman contender. Right. Not saying me or you or anybody like that, but, I mean, if you put, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I hate to discount him or try to take anything from him, but, I mean, they're about to find out what a real defense is like. Right. Well, you know, I mentioned the Auburn game with their receivers and, and having Jarrett Stidham at quarterback, didn't Jarrett, didn't Stidham have some big-time numbers at Baylor? Yeah, I mean, but I don't know. I mean, kind of – I mean, trying to look at it unbiased again, you know, we're sitting here saying they're going to find out what a real defense is all about. But, I mean, Jesus, look at the passing games we had to play against. I mean, we're about to find out what a real passing game is. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's by That's, far that's why you play the game. So, I mean – Let's. Right. I mean, let's see if we can stop it. But but I think I think us stopping their passing game is going to be just as dependent on the defensive line as it is the the defensive backfield. Mhm. Yeah. Stidham wasn't amazing at Baylor. I just looked at he had he was sixty eight percent. But he only threw for twelve hundred sixty-five yards in ten games. So, but he was 12, 12 touchdowns to two interceptions, and that's as a true freshman. So, yeah. Well, a, a couple of weeks ago, I posted on the board. I was going to do a article on it, but just hadn't got to it. I might uh, try to do it in the next day or two. Right. But I went through and compared like every single bit of the stats from offensive stats with Missouri against uh, Oklahoma. I mean, it basically came down to almost the same exact thing. Oklahoma used their one tight end more. I mean, they both had two rushers with almost the same exact stats within 100 yards of each other. They both had three wide receivers, almost the same exact stats within 100 yards of each other. 
Oklahoma used a tight end more, and Mayfield was, had a better uh, completion percentage and less interceptions. Compared that, to but that was lost. Missouri. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it was almost exactly the same. I think Locke actually had more touchdowns, like two more touchdowns. But then Mayfield only had like five interceptions to Locke's like twelve or thirteen or whatever. So right. I was just enough. May, Mayfield wasn't, you know, was more accurate and not quite as wild as Locke, and you know, both explosive. I mean, the whole nine yards. Right. I mean, it was almost, I mean, it was near identical almost. I mean, within a couple hundred yards as far as the right. receivers and running backs and all that go. I think Mayfield had like 300 more yards passing than Locke, something like that. Mm-hmm. And Locke had a couple of more touchdowns, and Locke had like a decent little more interceptions. Probably. I mean, that's why Mayfield's a Heisman winner, so I mean. Right. I think well, I'd imagine it's just a lot like Missouri's offense, man. Yeah. Well, Heupel and uh, Riley are both Leach guys, aren't they? I think so. Yeah. Probably is a similar similar pattern. Um, and I would imagine Mayfield obviously brings a you know more of that dual threat. Even though he's a good pocket passer, he brings more. You mentioned it earlier with his running ability. You yeah, know, I mean, kind of like a combination of. Here. I don't think they're going to sit there like Auburn did with uh, Cam Newton and what's-his-name, our defense back there with there. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they're going to sit there and call QB runs like that a ton or too much. But, you know, when you get around and, you know, you can move around in the pocket a lot and, and run out to the outside and, you know, extend the plays. Well, you're mm-hmm. not going to see them run for like 100 yards on, you know, Ten QB runs, you know, designated QB runs, but right. I mean, he has that escapability where you know he can do some stuff. Yeah, big big thing will be kind of maintaining you know your containment on him. It's almost like I think you're almost, and I was saying earlier, we don't necessarily have to get you know sack him like five or six times. I mean, it'd be nice, but I think just just making him feel the pressure, you know feeling like the pocket is collapsing on him, not necessarily getting to him every time is is not as important as just getting that pressure, making him feel the pressure. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and of course, that's any quarterback, but, I mean, yeah, especially a Heisman winner, you can't just let him – I mean, if we just let him sit back and pick us apart, then we're, then we're in trouble. Right, right. So, I mean, I mean, I don't care how good DeAndre Baker is, and I don't care how good the – safeties have been playing and all that. I mean, you just give somebody time to sit back there and, I mean, they're eventually they're going to get open. I mean, nobody can cover that well. Right. Um, I mean, you could put you could put Baker Mayfield out there against the NFL defense and, I mean, if you don't rush him and just let him sit back there, he, you know, he's going to complete passes on them. Right. How about... Um... You mentioned even the running game was was similar with Missouri. You know, I think you probably have more dynamic runners though with with Sermon and uh, the Anderson. I guess is their their leading rusher. A um, little more a little more dynamic athlete back there at running back ten. The Sermon, of course, is from from Georgia. He's a true freshman still, right? He, he's not, he didn't redshirt yet, did he? No, I don't think he redshirt. So he's a true freshman, so. 
Um, I, I wouldn't even say they're that much more dynamic, to be honest. Oh, really? I mean, they're good. Not to try to take away from them, but Missouri's guys are good, too. Yeah. I think they're more well-known and probably came out ranked higher in recruiting, but, I mean, they hadn't necessarily shown anything like, oh, my God, watch out for them. Right. I mean, they're definitely not – they're definitely not Sony Michelle or Nick Chubb or DeAndre Swift or – I mean, I would put them fourth at best on our depth chart. There's a reason yeah. we recruit Sermon that much. Yeah. That's what I mean. We had I mean, every opportunity to bring him in. Pitch. No doubt, man. Uh, see, we got a call. Let me see if it's our guest, possibly. Field Street Form Radio, who do we have? Oh. Hold on. Field Street Form Radio, who do we have? Troy Sadowski. Troy Sadowski. Welcome to the show, man. Glad you could hey, call my, and join us. Oh, my my pleasure, guys. Uh, Drayton, I was talking with you a little bit on Facebook, and then also have uh, Jason on the show with us tonight. We were just kind of talking about the dogs in Oklahoma, trying to break it down and see where we feel about it. I've kind of been joking with some buddies of mine, like I feel kind of uncomfortable feeling fairly confident going into this game. <laughs> <laughs> what's your what's kind of your take on on this game so coming up? Um, I I've got a lot of faith in these guys. Uh, it's a as you're sitting back and you're watching them throughout the season, you could just see the team starting to come together as the season went on. Uh, you know, you knew they were going to have a hiccup along the way, and that was at at Auburn. And I think that was one of the best things that could have happened to them was to lose a game uh, in the season like that so they can realize, you know, hey, uh, you know, we got to get better. You know, if we want to compete with the best teams across the country, uh, we got to have consistent play and we got to play smart. And I think that they started coming together uh, as a team uh, as the season went on. And it was really a pleasure to watch them play because uh, they might not have played the perfect game uh, against Auburn in the SEC championship, but they, they did what they needed to do to win the football game. And uh, they went out there, and I think they dominated the game, and I think they're going to have a good chance against Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Do you kind of see it the same way? I mean, we were just talking about, you know, the defense. Oklahoma has kind of vice versa. The, the Oklahoma hasn't seen a defense like this, and I don't necessarily know that Georgia's seen an offense quite like Oklahoma, you know, outside of Missouri we were kind of talking about, surprisingly. But um, – is, is, I think it almost I think it almost kind of comes down to the other side of the, of the you know Georgia's offense against Oklahoma's defense. I think Georgia has a big advantage there. You know, do you kind of see it the same way where you kind of keep, keep Oklahoma I, I on the sidelines? I do. I, I see what they need to do is uh, if, if Georgia can have long sustained drives where they control the football, they control the clock, and they score touchdowns. Scoring touchdowns is going to be the key because, uh, I mean, if you have a, a you know, eight-minute drive and you only get three points on the board, uh, Baker Mayfield, I mean, he can, he can put them down the field in three or four plays, no problem. So mm-hmm. I think they're going to have to have long, sustained drives and keep Boy Wonder over there on the sidelines. <laughs> um, is there anybody that you kind of compare 
Mayfield too, not necessarily now, but, you know, just that you've kind of seen in the past or anything like that? Well, since I'm 52 years old, going back, he's kind of like, uh, you know, your friend Tarkington, Randall Cunningham, uh, mm-hmm. just in today's game, he would be considered like um, uh, an Aaron Rodgers. He can keep mm-hmm. the play going and find the open man. And that's where a lot of their big plays came from, uh, with mm-hmm. him scrambling around and uh, somebody losing track of what somebody they're supposed to be with, and he hits the ball long. But like you had mentioned earlier, uh, they haven't seen a, a defense like Georgia's. Georgia has a fast defense, so I think their philosophy is run fast and hit hard, and they do that. You got uh, mm-hmm. uh, Roquan Smith, uh, who is one of those lifetime players. I mean, you can honestly put him in the category with uh, Herschel Walker and Bo Jackson. I mean, he is that special of a player. Yeah, no doubt. We were talking with the. Uh former Georgia Bulldog tight end Troy Sadowski and longtime NFL tight end. Um, talk a little bit, Troy. Was it always, you know, your kid coming up in Georgia, I, I believe, right? Um, was it yeah, always Georgia for you? Or, or how it did was, Georgia become your place? Well, I mean, I, I grew up in the uh, shambly dunworthy area of Atlanta on the north side uh, of the perimeter. And uh, my mother was a graduate of the University of Georgia. And back in the uh, early 80s, uh, everybody wanted to be a part of the uh, junkyard dog defense. Mm -hmm. And that was my thing. I was actually uh, recruited as a defensive and outside linebacker. And during evaluation week, uh, I was called in and Coach Dooley and uh, the coaching staff thought it would be better to flip me over to offense. And Mm -hmm. uh, I was actually a little upset because, you know, I wanted to be a member of that junkyard dog defense. (laughs) Uh, but looking back now, it was probably a huge blessing that they did move me to that side because I eventually became uh, all-conference All-American and then went on to play 10 years in the NFL. So obviously the Coach Dooley and the, the staff knew uh, something more than I did. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, you started all four years, right, at, at Georgia? Yes, sir. I was fortunate uh, to, to get an opportunity to, ble- uh, to play early. Uh, Scott mm-hmm. Williams, uh, my first year there, when I, I got redshirted uh, in 80, 84, I, I broke my thumb during training camp, and mm-hmm. I had to have surgery. They put three pins in it, so they put me on uh, redshirt. Uh, so that gave me an extra year uh, to, to work out and get a little bit stronger and put on a little bit of weight. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I had that opportunity early to play, and when uh, uh, I got that chance, uh, I just ran with it. Mm-hmm. Now, who was the offensive? Was it uh, was Cavan still there as, as offensive coordinator? Or? Uh, no, it was uh, George Hafner. He was the quarterback, uh, offensive coordinator at that time. Uh, Mike Cavan was the uh, the he was the running back coach uh, at that time. Okay. Um, so eighty five, kind of just after the the Cotton Bowl game, and and. It was 83, I think, and then 84 was James Jackson and the Tangerine Bowl against Florida State was a tie. How, who was, was, did James, was he quarterback? We had, uh, my, my first year there, it was Todd Williams and James Jackson. They kind of split time. And okay. then uh, after James Jackson, uh, Wayne Johnson and Greg Talley. Right. 
yep. uh, with two of the quarterbacks at that time. Uh, we we were uh, a running football team. Uh, mm-hmm. Coach Dooley was very big on uh, running the football, uh, control the clock, mm-hmm. uh, and you control the game. And uh, back then we had a stable of running backs. I mean, I, I look at these guys now uh, with Chubb, Michelle, and Swift, and Harrion, and Holyfield, uh, and, and it kind of reminds me of the group that we used to have with uh, Lars yep. Tate, Rodney Hampton, Tim Worley, Keith Henderson, guys like that. Uh, we had a stable of backs back then as well. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it's amazing the numbers that these guys put up. Because if you look at it, imagine if you had either Sony Michelle or Nick Chubb that were getting a majority of the uh, the carries. Uh, Nick Nick wouldn't have had you know 1,100 yards. He'd, he'd have had 1,800, 1,900. He may have been pushing 2,000. Right. Uh, it was it was the same way with Tim Worley. He ended up uh, his junior year and my senior year with like 1,200 uh, rushing yards and 18 touchdowns. But he split carries with Keith Henderson and and Rodney Hampton. Imagine if Tim Worley would have uh, had their carries at that time. He might have been uh, a Heisman contender. Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, you know, I remember, you know, I was, you know, in my, you know, early teens or, or, and remember the big, big story, I guess it was leading up to the probably 86 season, I guess. And then it was, uh, they were kind of comparing them to the four horsemen, you know, uh, I think it was, like you said, Henderson, Worley, and uh, I remember David McCluskey was on that as well, and, yeah. and they uh, just kind of, yeah, you know, just at that time, you know, back then it was kind of, you know, you had your your one stud running back, Herschel, or you had Bo, or you had, you know, Billy Sims or guys like that. It was kind of rare to have that many guys, you know, it, in one, you know, on the depth chart. Well, I think yeah. now you have you have to have a two back system because these uh, I mean with the, the extended seasons in college, uh, the wear mm-hmm. and tear on these running backs and the, the pounding that they take, uh, it mm-hmm. does take a toll on a, a young man's body. So I think you you really have to have a two back system now, and a lot of teams are like that now. Right. What about what kind of give us your assessment of the job that a kid like Jake Fromm has come in as a true freshman? and taking this team, kind of taking over as the leader of the team, you know, as a true freshman stepping in for the starting quarterback, you know, what, two series into the end of the start of the season. Can you kind of – is there anybody you can – did it remind you of anybody that, that you know, from what you've seen from, from Jake Farrell? No. I mean, that, that was a huge uh, uh, step for him uh, to come in. Uh, I guess it was uh, fortunate for him that it was early in the season like that. When your mm-hmm. when your schedule's a little bit weaker, but I mean, I say that, then they go and play Notre Dame. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but no, I mean, it, what what an opportunity for him. Uh, you know, I, I hate that it, it happened uh, to Jacob Eason like that. Uh, nobody mm-hmm. wants to see that. I think that he handled it uh, extremely well uh, yeah. for a young man. A lot of a lot of people would have uh, turned their head and uh, you know. Uh, made things difficult, but it seems like he went along with what the staff uh, agreed upon uh, to, to stay with Fromm, and it, it seemed like uh, he was there with him and worked with him side by side. So I really give big ups to Jacob Eason for uh, handling things the way that he did. 
as well as Jake Fromm and the way that he handled that situation to come in there. Uh, that's that's difficult, uh, you know, true mm-hmm. freshman, because you look at, and, uh, you know, this time and, you know, last year he was playing high school football. Right. Uh, and now and now he's, you know, the, the starting quarterback for the number three ranked Georgia Bulldogs. That's a, mm-hmm. that's a huge step for him. And I know that um, my wife, Beth, and my daughter, Gabrielle, are huge Jake Fromm fans, especially <laughs> when his family came out with that video of them uh, singing in the car. Uh, did y'all see that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I think it went viral, but it's funny. The, uh, yeah. The things that go viral nowadays, is like just something you're doing as a family. And then all of a sudden thousands of millions of people see it. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, my, I think my wife might be a bigger Kirby smart fan than Jake Fromm fan. Uh, my wife always <laughs> says, she says, I love the way that Kirby smart when those players come off the field, he just grabs them and he hugs them and kisses them. He doesn't care if they're sweaty or dirty. He just <laughs> wants to get in there and be one of them. But it, I mean, he he was a former player and he and right. uh, he he was that way as a player, you know, mm-hmm. same same way as a coach. Right. You think it just you kind of see more and more, you know, it's not necessarily a trend, I don't think, but I think you're seeing better results now when with former players coming back to their alma mater, you know, even even for Coach Rick going to Miami, I think, has been a, you know, a bit of a uplift for him, you know, going back down to, to Miami. And you see Kirby, of course, coming to Athens. And, you know, now Scott Frost going to Nebraska, they want that same kind of, you know, hopefully that same kind of response, you know, for their program. You know, do you think was, it kind of just means more, you know, to borrow from the SEC phrase? I mean, I, I think it does. I mean, it's always good to see a former player come back. Um, you know, with, with you had mentioned uh, Mark Richt, and uh, I, I'm a big Mark Richt fan, always have been mm-hmm. and always will be. Uh, I think it got to the point of where uh, both sides, you know, the University of Georgia side as well as the Mark Richt side, it needed to happen. You hated to see it happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think, it, like you said, it was a shot in the arm uh, for both sides, and, you know, you look down there and you see the success that Coach Rick has had at the University of Miami, and uh, just knowing that the type of uh, person he was uh, in the past, you know, you knew that it was just a matter of time where he was going to come down there and start doing good things. And you, mm-hmm. you, you know, you, the the pedigree and stuff that Kirby Smart came with, you know, uh, that he sat over there in Tuscaloosa with Nick Saban for so many years. I guarantee you he was taking physical notes and mental notes. And when he mm-hmm. got that opportunity to come back, uh, I mean, he's made the, the most of it. And, and I wish Coach Smart, uh, you know, uh, luck within his game. Uh, I think that he's a great coach and it's mm-hmm. been a great process and everything. And the kids seem to be buying in uh, to what Coach Smart is bringing to the table. Right. How, um, you're still in the Atlanta area, I'm guessing? Um, I am. I live in Woodstock, Georgia, in a place called Town Lake. Uh, okay. We live in a subdivision called Eagle Watch. Gotcha. Uh, how much, how often do you get back over to Athens? Have you been, do you ever, you know, have you been involved with the program, whether it was under Rick or uh, as Kirby, you know, you gotten to meet him or anything like that? You probably have met him I, as a I, player even before, right? Our paths have crossed uh, a couple <laughs> times a while ago, but 
I, I haven't had a lot of uh, opportunities and chances to get back uh, my job. I'm a part owner in the company called Cornerstone Estate Planning, and I travel a lot on the weekends. So oh, okay. uh, I'm usually gone. Uh, I'm thankful for the, the ESPN app and stuff like that because a lot <laughs> of times I'm in an airport somewhere uh, watching the football game that way. Uh, but th- th- I have had a chance to get back to some of the games to take my children uh, so they can experience it as well. Um, but uh, I would like to get back more. I would have loved to have the opportunity to get into coaching. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's something uh, that I think I would enjoy doing. I just didn't have the opportunity um, uh, to get into coaching. Uh, when I got out of the NFL, I was going through mm-hmm. some difficult times and I ended up going through a, a divorce. Uh, and my family was more important to be with them uh, oh, yeah. and to, to start a, a second career like that. Plus, it's really hard uh, being a coach. Not only do you have coaches' hours, but you have players' hours as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a very demanding uh, job on those coaches, and, and I, I give them thumbs up for the things that they do because a lot of times uh, their their families and their wives, it's like two ships passing in the night. They hope that yeah. they get a glance at each other. Uh, so they put a lot of time and effort, and, and we've seen that. I mean, look at the recruiting classes that uh, Kirby and his uh, crew have put together. It, yeah, just incredible. And, you know, it's kind of funny. There's so many – a couple things, you know, so certain coaches are, are kind of blasting this early signing day, you know, especially in particular Nick Saban and, you know, maybe Urban Meyer. And, of course, you can't really say his class was bad, but – you know, but Kirby, you haven't really heard him complaining about it all that much. He, he just went out and, and worked worked within the rules that he was given, you know. Um, he, he did, and he put together an incredible class, and they're still adding to it. I know there's a right. signing period that they're going to be dealing with, and uh, it's pretty impressive when uh, you're a Justin Fields and uh, the head coach of the University of Georgia shows up to your campus in a helicopter. <laughs> that, that's kind of that's hard to talk gonna make an entrance baby um <laughs> uh, it's funny you mentioned you know possibly getting into coaching you know and there's a story out now that florida state's willie taggart is talking to Deion sanders about coming in as his defensive back coach i you know and i i keep hearing people talk about george you know georgia should bring heinz ward in as their wide receiver coach i don't think people really understand, you kind of alluded to it, I don't think people really understand the complete grind that these college coaches go through, or even high school coaches for their NFL for that matter, but especially college with the 24-7 recruiting, 365, you know, game planning, everything being, everything's got to be organized. I don't think people quite realize the grind that coaches go through, and I don't necessarily know that Heinz Ward and I love Heinz Ward, and I love Deion Sanders, I don't think they're necessarily wanting to get into that lifestyle coming from where they're at right now. Would, was that well, kind of where yeah. you, you're thinking too? Well, I mean, guys like I mean, guys like Deion and Heinz uh, Ward, they, they don't have to coach. They really don't have to work. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they, they made enough money. Me, on the other hand, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I wasn't a multimillion-dollar superstar by any means, uh, but I was mm-hmm. lucky enough to hang around for 10 years. Right. It is. It's it's a difficult job. Uh, it's a very demanding job. And uh, also, I'll, t- I'll be honest with you, sometimes 
great players don't make good coaches. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying that you know that would be the same thing with Dion and Hines. I mean, uh, I had the opportunity uh, to play with Dion in Atlanta, and he's one mm-hmm. of the most gifted, talented athletes that I've ever played with. Right. Uh, you know, Hines Ward my last year up in Pittsburgh was his rookie year, and he came oh, in okay. uh, and did everything that he was supposed to do, and, and he ended up as one of. Uh, uh, you know, one of the great receivers that have ever played for the Steelers as well in the NFL. Right. So, um, I, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they did get into coaching because uh, both of them uh, were very successful on the field. Uh, and uh, I think that uh, the coaches that they had over their careers, uh, they probably learned a thing or two uh, that they would be able to bring to the table as coaches. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think just they would be great in the live, you know, the recruits' living rooms and for recruiting. But I don't necessarily know they would be down for the whole, you know, you know, on the field, talking practice, you know, the whole lifestyle of it. Like you said, was, would would be a grind for them. Um, well, and I also I, hear that uh, Dion has a uh, son who's a pretty good quarterback. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that might have a little something to do with it. I don't know exactly. <laughs> Um, you know, what was it about Georgia? You mentioned the, you know, the junkyard dogs. What about Athens itself? Do you, I think, you know, unfortunately I didn't get to go to, to the university of Georgia, but it's become a, a part of, you know, my life as, as, and just Athens itself is such a, just has such a cool vibe. Was it kind of the same, you know, back when you were going to school there and everything, just the, the vibe of Athens and just the laid kind of the laid back, lifestyle that's there it seems like I, I think it would be a cool city even beyond the university of georgia being there it, it was uh for me as well um uh i enjoyed my official visit when i did go uh, to the mm-hmm. university of georgia and uh, i committed fairly early i was when they were having you mentioned the cotton bowl earlier it was during cotton bowl practice in athens before oh, okay. they left to go out to texas that I committed to Coach Dooley, I verbally committed to him then. Um, but uh, it, it just felt like home to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was also very close, you know, growing up in the uh, Atlanta area. Uh, my mom uh, had breast cancer, and being mm-hmm. close to home uh, was very important to me so that my mm-hmm. mom could come see me play as well as me get back home as much as I could. And um, uh, years ago, uh, Tony Barnhart, who used to work for the uh, Atlanta Journal-Constitution, mm-hmm. I think he's now with CBS Sports, uh, he did a book, uh, you know, uh, about being a Georgia Bulldog, and he dedicated a chapter for me, and he asked oh. me what were my, you know, fondest memories, and it was the fact that they treated us like family, mm-hmm. uh, from Coach Dooley all the way down. Uh, we always had access uh, to them. Their doors were always open for us. That's back when the, the coaches actually were able to invest time in the players off the field. I mean, now they deem it as improper benefits, and they're not allowed right. to do as much as they used to. But back when I was playing, uh, to give you an example, I mean, my position coach was Charlie uh, Charlie Whittemore, and uh, Charlie okay. and Miss Debbie all the time they opened their house to us. They invited us mm. in. They invited us to Sunday school, to go to church, to eat eat with them on Sunday afternoons and uh, Sunday evenings. 
and we did that. And it was an opportunity uh, for them to invest time in us as people, not just players. And uh, that's what I remember. It was always family. I mean, my mom uh, had a difficult time, and she was, uh, uh, you know, the, 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 the university gave her a parking pass right up front outside the stadium. And Hornsby Howell, uh, Coach Howell, used to uh, wheel down a wheelchair for her to get her before the game had started. He would roll her in there to her seats. Uh, and it, right before halftime, he would go pick her up and take her in the recruiting box so she could get some water, uh, food, and getting you know get in the air conditioning. Would wheel her back down there before the uh, second half started. And when the game was over, he would go down there and get her and take her back to her car. Those are the things that I remember about being at the University of Georgia uh, that, that were the most uh, exciting and the most memorable for me. It, it was like a family. Mm-hmm. Well, that's awesome. Um, if you were talking to a recruit now, would you kind of how how did Georgia kind of prepare you beyond football? I mean, you, obviously, family wise, it, it's that, but now. You mentioned your, you know, your your business that you have, and you know, without Georgia, you know, is that where you learned most of the lessons that you were using now? I mean, it, it was, uh, and, and and I did learn a lot while I was there. Uh, you know, being uh, with the staff that was there that Coach Dooley had put together, um, mm. but it's just uh, the 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 friends and the, the memorable friendships that you have with the players that you that you played with, that you keep in touch with, uh, you know, and sometimes it's difficult to keep in touch with these guys. I mean, I think mm-hmm. that's one of the great things about social media is that you're right. able to talk with people and, and keep up with them and keep up with their kids and watch their kids grow up. And, uh, you know, but it, it's uh, just the things and the, the, the situations, and the opportunities that you have that you're presented with and, not being afraid to take a chance and do something. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I, was, uh, I wasn't self-employed. I had worked for a company, and, you know, a friend of mine, you know, we had talked and prayed about it, about, you know, that the Lord opened up an opportunity for us to start another company outside of what we were doing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and getting out of that, uh, that boat into the water. I mean, it, it was scary, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, right. that, leap of, that leap of faith and trusting that the, the Lord's got your back uh, I mean, it was it was very difficult, but the things that you went through in life and the, the situations uh, help you grow as a person and as a man. Mm-hmm. Now, you during your playing days, did did you guys ever imagine that football? I mean, you were kind of in that era of where football overtook, you know, baseball and basketball and became America's sport, basically. Um, through you know through the whole era of college and then NFL, did you guys did y'all ever imagine that football would be as big as it is a big as big of a business as it is especially especially college football? Um, I mean, it's really grown in leaps and bounds even since the time that I was playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I remember my daughter asked me one time. She said, "Dad, your rookie year in the NFL." Um, what was the rookie average as far as salary? Mm-hmm. I said it was 72,500. She goes, well, what did you make during that time? I said, 72,500. <laughs> <laughs> back then that, that was a lot of money, but I, I look yeah. at it now and I think that the, the rookie minimum now is like 
three fifty. You know, right. I, I always joke around with people and say, "Man, I played in the wrong era." <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I'm thankful for that opportunity. But um, the NFL and, and college football exploded in, in leaps and bounds, and the, the the money that's involved in both college and professional sports is staggering and mind blowing. Uh, the mm-hmm. salaries that the, these these kids make uh, is absolutely amazing. Um, but mm-hmm. it, it, it's a very difficult sport. It's a very demanding sport. It's mm-hmm. the closest thing to being a modern-day gladiator that there is. And the wear and tear on these kids' body, I mean, I always tell uh, my family and friends and kids that I talk with across the country that the, uh, the, the letters NFL don't stand for National Football League. It stands for not for long mm-hmm. because your window of opportunity continues to close when you're playing. And once that opportunity, that window closes, you're done. Mm-hmm. And you don't make any more money. I mean, you get what you can get while you're in there, make as much money as you can, invest it wisely, spend mm-hmm. it wisely, because uh, that opportunity is very, very slim. Uh, uh, I think the average NFL career lasts less than two years. Right. So that, that's that's it, not a very long career. No. And where – what are your thoughts on, do you feel like the, you know, you mentioned the wear and tear. Do you feel like, you know, the, the safety measures that they're putting in with the targeting rules and um, helmet to helmet? I mean, that, obviously that wasn't, it was pretty much hit them as hard as you can if you go to the head <laughs> back then. Now, you, you know, you kind of, you obviously see where they're, you know, where they're trying to, but can you really make football you know, safe all the time. I, I you know, that, from a player's perspective, give us your player's pr- perspective on that. Yeah, that that's going to be difficult. I see the efforts that they are taking as far as with the the headgear and the rules and uh, what they're trying to do there. It's difficult. I mean, you can't. It, it's difficult to play the game of football without the aggression, the aggressive mm-hmm. part of it. It's just by nature, it's an aggressive sport. These players are aggressive players, and if you mm-hmm. take that aggressiveness out of them, are you getting a watered-down product? Mm-hmm. You know, the, you have to look at it that way. But I, I am all about keeping the players safe. I mean, uh, I have a son who's 21 now, and I'm really thankful that he never did take the football or get into football. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know the way that I feel uh, at age 52. Uh, in my day-to-day aches and pains that I have, um, you know, and, and one of the biggest questions I get is if you could go back and do it all over again, would you do the same thing? And I'll tell them, absolutely I would. <laughs> right. You, you, you never know. I mean, um, I, I hated football when I was young. I really did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't like it. I felt that I was kind of, uh, you know, I wouldn't say forced to play, but I was uh, urged to play. Mm-hmm. I really didn't like it. I really wasn't very good. I used to play for a, a traveling uh, team called the Atlanta Colts. They were 80, 100, 120-pound football teams, and uh, it was all based on weight. So mm-hmm. being bigger than the average bear, I had to play in you know the league that I was playing with two- and three-year uh, older kids, and I never right. saw the field. It was 63 to nothing. They put me in the game. I mean, I used to I used to squirt the water on my shirt to make it look like I played. I'd roll around, I'd roll around on the lines before the game, 
uh, to get the, the chalk on my pants to make it look like I played because I didn't play. And it, it was amazing because, uh, you know, the, the the kid that never played that was the bench warmer was me. <laughs> Give us uh, kind of your, what were your, you know, you talk about going on on your visit, you know, just before the Cotton Bowl. And what was Coach Dooley like? Was he kind of the, the clinching factor? You know, you mentioned you've always wanted to go to Georgia, but, you know, getting to know Vince Dooley and, and you know, who he is. I'm, I've been fortunate enough to meet him, you know, believe once and, and just just an outgoing guy, just a great guy, it seems like. I mean, uh, give us, you know, one of, one of your best, most memorable Coach Dooley stories, maybe. Oh, absolutely. He, uh, you know, the he was the closer on that deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, they, they had just finished up practice, and uh, he called me up and introduced me to the team. Uh, then he, they broke and they went off to the field, and he brought me over, and we went over to the side and, and talked for a minute. And uh, within that two- to three-minute window that we had, just him and I was enough push me to that point where I'm like, yeah, I'm coming here. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. uh, but he, uh, not only was he a, a coach, he was also a friend and he still is to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I found out the other day that he was in Woodstock, Georgia, at the Kroger signing uh, one of his books. And uh, I did not know that. So I, I, I missed that opportunity to go up and see him. And uh, those are, always good times uh, when I get to see Coach Dooley and, and, and talk with him uh, mm-hmm. because he he was such a big part of my life uh, back then in college. And, and he is, uh, he's a legend and um, one of the, one of the greatest coaches that I've ever had the opportunity to play for. Mm-hmm. Do you guys, you, you mentioned, you know, social media, do you guys ever have chances for, you know, to get former Dooley players back together or anything like that? Well, they they have a lot of stuff with the uh, the alumni gatherings, and they have reunions for the the teams and things. And I'll just I'll I'll be honest with you, uh, I'm I'm a horrible friend when it comes to that. Uh, I just have not uh, made time in my schedule to get back to those things. And uh, you know, at, at times I really do regret it because um, you know there were a lot of guys that I uh, spent a lot of time with. Uh, at the University mm-hmm. of Georgia and made some uh, some connections. And uh, it would be nice to see a lot of those guys. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, do you remember a, a fellow, he, he's from, I'm down here in Brunswick, uh, is where, I, where I'm at now, and we had a guy, uh, Bobby Wilkes, was a, went up to Georgia yeah. as quarterback. I don't know if you get it. He's a pretty memorable guy, memorable guy, so I imagine you probably remember him. <laughs> he, he, he was, yep, Bob, Bobby was there when I was up there. <laughs> he, he's a, I think he's still probably about the same as he was back in college. He's a pretty effervescent guy. Um, well, I mean, yeah, I, I, I can honestly tell you that I'm not the same, and and uh, praise God that I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Athens is good for that part too, you know. I mean, you, it's kind of like Vegas. You, you know, what happens in Vegas, <laughs> what happens in Athens stays in Athens sometimes. <laughs> yeah, and, and um, I, I wish I had more opportunities. I mean, I've got a daughter right now that is uh, she's 15 years old, and she goes to mm-hmm. Ottawa High School and she plays uh, tennis. And as a mm-hmm. freshman last year, she was on the varsity tennis team, 
she plays oh, wow. tennis like I I played football. She plays tennis like a dude. <laughs> uh, she's she's a uh, you know uh, she goes at it 180 miles an hour all the time, and she's really turned out to be uh, a great little tennis player. And um, she would love to have the opportunity to play college tennis, but if that doesn't mm-hmm. come along for her, uh, she wants to go to get into um, uh, I think the journalism, community, mass communication, and media. Uh, and one of the best programs is at the University of Georgia. So uh, yep. she might have that opportunity to go back to, or go to school to the University of Georgia, which will give me a chance to go back. Uh, and she's always told me, Dad, why don't you get season tickets? And I said, you know what? Uh, if you get us the academic scholarship to the University of Georgia, I'll buy it. I'll buy season tickets and we'll go to every game. There you go. Uh, Troy, what was your uh, what was your company again? Give another mention that and, and talk about All right. it. Uh, I, I work with a gentleman by the name of Mike Wooten, and we started. It's called Cornerstone Estate Planning, and what we uh, do is we we have a national a partnership agreement with the National Free Will Baptist Foundation. It's a, a church denomination that's kind of uh, similar in the the, the the range like Southern Baptist, but Uh, We are contracted to go into their churches and teach them about practical life and end-of-life planning. Uh, It's it's really exciting because we get the opportunity to help these families uh, keep family business private within their family and keep the government uh, out of their family business as well as uh, we see a lot of people that are uh, wanting to leave money. They're tithing on their estates. Uh, They're leaving money to the church, uh, the, you know, money that will go back into the denomination for kingdom mm-hmm. work. So it's, it's really exciting. I love what I do. Uh, I love the people mm-hmm. that I work with and I love the opportunity that uh, the Lord has put in front of me. And, uh, it's, it's something that's exciting that, uh, he allows me to come along for the ride. Mm-hmm. Well, all right, real quick on that note, how well does the new tax law affect the, <laughs> <laughs> affect that as well? You know, it, it might when it comes to uh, the death tax or the estate tax. They're talking about wiping that all out uh, altogether. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, no, it, it won't really affect with, with what we do. Uh, but we do want to keep the government out of our family business as much as possible. <laughs> right. No doubt. Uh, we got somebody on the line. Let me see if they had a question or if they were just listening in. Hill Street Forum Radio, who do we have? Hey, it's Blue. I'm just listening, brother, enjoying the man. All right. Good deal, Blue. Thanks, bud. All right, Troy. Man, this has been a pleasure, my, my friend. Um, oh, my, my uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm actually surprised. I thought my wife was going to call in. Uh, she's probably <laughs> online. She's, she's probably online listening with my daughter, Gabrielle. So uh, I give a shout out. Love you guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, all right. Prediction time. Monday, what do you what do you see as the outcome? I think that Georgia is going to win the football game. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it'll be a close football game. I think that uh, it's it's going to be difficult to completely shut down a player like Baker Mayfield because he really he truly is a special player and a special talent out there on the field. Uh, but I think that Georgia is going to pull this out because their ground game. It's just going to be too overwhelming for Oklahoma. And I mm-hmm. think they will get a chance to uh, to either uh, get Baker Mayfield off the field 
uh, or they may uh, have a turnover. But I think mm-hmm. that Georgia is going to win the football game 35-28. to 28. I will take it. And the following Monday, any feeling there? <laughs> well, uh, well, it's going to be a, a tough one between uh, Clemson and Alabama. Uh, I know that this is kind of like the rubber match. I guess they're Alabama won uh, 2016 and 2017 was Clemson. So now this is the third matchup. Uh, I, I just don't know if Alabama is going to overcome all the injuries that they've had on defense. Right. That, that, that's tough. They had a lot of guys over there that put in a lot of time that made a lot of plays and they're not going to be out there on the field. And I know that Clemson, uh, they have a lot of talent on the offensive side, but uh, that defensive front is, is really, really good. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Uh, if they get there, Georgia might as well go ahead and win it, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> well, Troy, we appreciate it, my man. And uh, any – you mentioned social media. Uh, you guessing you're, you're big on there. Give your uh, – if you want to share that with everybody, let everybody know, and then give you – anybody that listens in, want to give you a follow? Yeah, I am on uh, Facebook and Instagram. Um I, my, my wife gets mad at me uh, when I do post, especially during the football games. <laughs> she tells she tells me that people don't want to hear what you say. I said, that's not true. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, I, I travel all the time. I have people all the time that tell me, you know what? We actually, we turn the game on, and then we put you on social media so we can see your posts. <laughs> 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 so they said that it, it, it's it's really – they, they enjoy the fact that they get uh, inside the information from somebody that actually played the game. Right, exactly. Uh, well, Troy, I appreciate it, friend. And, uh, you know, anytime, if you ever want to come back on with us, you know, just let me know, man. We'll we'll, we'll get you on here. And, uh, like I said, really, really enjoyed talking football and talking about, you know, your experiences as a player and everything coming through it. So, like I said, anytime you want to come on, man, let me know, and, and we'll we'll get you on here. Oh, the pleasure was all mine. Thank you for the invitation. I hope that uh, y'all had a Merry Christmas, and I hope you oh, all you have too. a Happy New Year. Happy New Year, and go dogs. Go dogs. That was Troy Sadowski. That was fun, man. He, he really knew his stuff, and, and a 10-year NFL career. Uh, that's And like you said, the average NFL player is – what two years, three years at the most? Just to to stick around for ten years, you're doing a lot of things right. You know, coaches see that stuff, teams see that as as just an asset to their team, and they they bring folks in to, that they know we're going to help them. I mean, like I said, to stick around for that long is is unbelievable. Uh, Jason is back on with us as well. Um, yeah, I love talking to to the former Georgia players and stuff, and hearing yeah, it was cool. being so, you know, just seeing the program get back to where it really should, you know, should be, and it and it's back to you know his back when he was playing, you know, under under Coach Dooley and things like that. It's just it's good to see the program back to where they should be. Always love talking to former dogs. Um, you know, we talked about the Georgia Oklahoma game. I kind of mentioned it just then. Kind of, kind of what you're thinking on uh, Jason on uh, 
Alabama and Clemson. Uh, I've kind of got a few thoughts on it, but go ahead. You know, let me hear what you got to say. I don't know. That one's a hard one, man. I think Clemson's uh, D line might even be too much for Alabama to handle. Yeah. I, dude, I got a feeling Alabama's going to take this Monday. Uh, I think they may win, like... always hard to pick against them. I mean... Comfortably, though. You know, I mean, they're on a freaking dynasty run right now. So, I mean, it's hard to pick against them, but... Ooh, I don't know. I think Clemson might have this one. Yeah, and Troy Troy mentioned it with, uh, you know, them being having so many injuries, but I think this month's layoff and an extra week off because they didn't play in the SEC title game, I think that may really come to their advantage and get a lot of those yeah. guys back. Um, I'll tell you what, if, if they call a bunch of QB runs like they did against all of them, they'll get smoked. Yeah. Yeah, that D-line is – now, has the rumors – kind of been bouncing around. Some people were saying, you know, that Tua was going to get a lot, some playing time in this game, the backup. Nah, you know, I don't know. He's a better passer. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. You know, giving him a month time, because he played a little bit during the year. You know, he, he brings a little bit, maybe a little bit more accurate arm, you know, but still still enough for, with his feet. If, if Alabama's changing quarterbacks right now or changing the quarterback rotation right now, then, then they're more desperate than what everybody else thinks. Yeah. Because I don't see any team making any big changes right now. you got to roll what got you there at this point. Right. I just, for some reason, I just, I just, I think Alabama wins comfortably. I like 10, point, 10 points, 14 points. I don't I mean, know why. That'd, that'd be like us coming in and saying, oh, we're going to, we're going to give Holyfield and Harry in a chance now. And let's, <laughs> right. That don't make any sense. I mean, I think that stands just talking about what they want to do, and part of that whole the backup quarterback is always the best player on the team. Of course, it, it didn't really work out for him. It helped Saban switch coordinators <laughs> between Final Four and in uh, championship game last year, but it didn't. Like I said, it didn't work out too well for him, but. uh I don't know. I just if if like I said, if those linebackers, because I still I still think Clemson and Syracuse. You know, Syracuse was able even with Bryant. I know he's banged up even then, but early, but it didn't stop their offense from from moving the ball on Clemson's defense, which was really a big surprise. You know, exactly. I would think Alabama and Oklahoma and Georgia are all looking at that game and saying, okay, what they do. I don't – yeah, I mean, people kind of – Well, Clemson's D-line took the day off or what, but, I mean, they were almost non-existent in that game. Yeah, that was – that was, you know, I mean, it was a weird game. It was a Friday. It was up in the Carrier Dome, and, you know, it's weird whatever, but – Well, I mean, you got to look at Syracuse hitting what necessarily world beaters this year. No, not at all. You know, I mean, so I – What did they win – like one or two games after that, maybe, maybe one. I don't know. Maybe one game after that. I, I, don't, I think they went like four and eight or something overall. It's just a little concerning, you know, thinking back to that. You know, people say, oh, Alabama didn't beat anybody that was, you know, have a great schedule, didn't have, a, you know, any highly ranked teams that they beat or, or played other than Auburn. 
but they didn't play anybody near like Syracuse or struggle with anybody near like Syracuse, you know? Um, it's just, I don't know. I kind of, I, I really think it's going to be an all, an all SEC championship game, which is going to really tick off a lot of, a lot of people, college football fans around the country outside of the, the SEC, but, um, I'm going with UGA Clemson. Yeah. I just don't think Alabama has enough for them this time. Yeah. How do you? How would you see the final with that? That's going to be tough. Clemson's D line and, and Georgia D line. You know I'm not going to pick against my dogs, but no, that's a tough one. I think you, again, kind of going back to that Notre Dame game. You know, I think Bryant's is more similar to a Wimbush. You know, kind I of think if you get down to UGA Clemson. Uh, well, for UGA's offense and their defense, anyway, you got to look more at the Auburn game. Mm, yeah. And, you know, I mean, which which Georgia offensive line shows up? Right. So if they show up like they did the first game against Auburn, Clemson, they'll expose the heck out of us. Yeah. I'll say that you've got to think the Mercedes-Benz, the people putting hosting the bowl game, they have – I mean, it's going to be a sellout no matter what, obviously. But they've you Dre, know they've got to that game. They think the SEC championship was a home game. Yeah, Ooh, but I mean, we get to that talk game. About, <laughs> but you talk about ticket prices and and tickets going sky high for either. Yeah, either I, don't, of those I don't think it even matters. Them dogs are buying them for thousands a piece. Right, but I'm talking like. There's a huge fan base of you know Clemson fan base in Atlanta, or and it's not that far to Clemson, or if it's Alabama, you know, you know what? Alabama fan championship base. wasn't that far from Auburn either. Yeah, well, no doubt, but I'm just saying it's going to be that, that demand for tickets with Georgia and either of those fan bases is going. It's going to be a ticket seller's dream. <laughs> <laughs> But we got to get there first, you know. You got to get there first. Get get to this Oklahoma game. I mean, it, it still doesn't really feel like it's only, you know, five days away or whatever. But still, still doesn't quite feel like it's right there. Still feels like oh, it's in January. I want to I want to know more about Baker Mayfield having the flu. Yeah. I think so, but I think there's enough time. If it was like Saturday or something, you know, but I think there's enough time they can pump some fluids into him and, you know, give him some antibiotic, whatever it is they got to do. I think, I no, think it'll probably run its course. Any, anytime I've had the flu like that, the days after having the flu, weekends, or you're just so sleepy and drained from fighting it so much, or sometimes worse than the days I had the flu. And if he's got heavy leg, you know, kind of heavy legs, I'm not you know, moving around uh-huh. much or anything. And he hit he hit practice this morning. Yeah. And they had practice first, and then went to Disney, and he didn't make it to Disney. So. Right. We'll see. I hope it's so. Interesting. Make, makes it interesting. I, I'll take any anything any advantages Georgia can get. <laughs> Flu, hangover, whatever it is. Let uh, let let Roquan Smith knock the flu out of him. <laughs> Um, 
Drake. How about, I think it's, oh, yeah, go ahead. We got to talk about it. What you want to talk about? The, the the guy who is officially my favorite 2018 recruit right now. <laughs> Cade Mays and his... Uh, Cade Mays, baby! I think, I think that song is uh, number three on iTunes right now. <laughs> Man, is this fake Jacob Beeson account? Oh, my God. I haven't laughed so hard. <laughs> I'm going to play our highlights against Tennessee with Dixie Land Delight and end it with Cave Mays' video. Whoever came up with that's <laughs> a freaking genius. For those that haven't heard, there's a little Snapchat video going around that uh, Cade Mays and who was the other kid again? Another, it was uh, actually a Tennessee commit. commit. <laughs> the Tennessee commit singing the, I don't, was it a, what's the song? I don't even know what the song is. Beyond. Dixie know, Land but, Delight. Oh, okay. And he's like, uh, F Auburn, F LSU, and F Tennessee, well, too. <laughs> it actually started at Alabama games. They would play uh-huh. Dixieland Delight, I think, before the beginning of the fourth quarter. Uh-huh. And, they, you know, they play the song, and they start, you know, it'd be going. And then the Alabama fans would, in the middle of the lyrics, you know, frick Auburn. And LSU and Tennessee, too. So it all came from Alabama football games. I got you. Okay. I mean, it's not like they made it up and all that, and <laughs> they we're just purposely out to get Tennessee. I mean, it's a basically, it was a tradition of Alabama games for they stopped it. Uh-huh. So they got bad. That's funny. But yeah, it's apparently set Tennessee Nation on fire as if they didn't. Have venom for the wait, kid wait, already. Wait, wait. So <laughs> the same people that when he committed to Georgia over Clemson and Tennessee, the same people that said, "I hope you tear both ACLs. I hope we take mm-hmm. your legs out and all break your that. neck. Hope you break your neck." Are criticizing him for saying Tennessee? <laughs> Yeah. Two teeth, hillbilly, sons of bitches. <laughs> but yeah. And here's here's my deal. Even if yeah. even if it was some Georgia kid talking like that about Georgia. I mean, I would say he's a freaking kid. Who cares? He said FC. Leave it alone. If you don't like it. Give them a big F you back, and it's done. Yeah, you don't have to I mean, go some on and on about F-U-G-A, I mean, like, well, F you too. I mean, who cares? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he'll, you know, learn a lesson from it or whatever and all that bull crap, but I'd be willing to bet you he didn't care as much as people think he's going to care. Yeah. Well, I think it's... be honest. I mean, the, basically, the big lesson out of this is anything can go viral at any time right now. So, I mean, other yeah. than that, I mean, oh my God. I mean, after the Hail Mary where they beat us last year, I said, I'll Tennessee 100,000 times. <laughs> There's nothing, no adults have said. And they, uh, after we beat the holy crap out of them this year, 
I can't tell you how many times I saw grown men, adults, saying that's Georgia. I just think it's right. made out to be a much bigger deal than what it is. I mean, quit being a big crybaby. Well, it's social media thing, too. I mean, we were just talking about it with, with Troy Sadowski. I mean, it's like, you know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, nobody would have known this. But now you put it on social media and it goes viral because somebody shared it on, you know, on a message board that Tennessee fans see it. You know, I'm sure he didn't. No matter his feelings right now, after every, all the stuff that the venom and vitriol that they were shooting at him last week, he probably does feel that way. But he probably still didn't think, wasn't thinking it was going to be like I this. I don't care. <laughs> the, the fact that we had to sit here and talk about it and say you shouldn't care. Shouldn't be having that. I mean, come on. Yeah. yeah and, and I tell you this. I want every single one of our offensive linemen saying Tennessee. Right. Oh, Paul, I'm saying that. When Jamari Sawyer tweeted what he tweeted, it was like, all right, would you whatever, whatever. I thought it was my favorite tweet of the day. I was like, heck yeah. Well, yeah. I want all of them screaming Rick Tennessee and Auburn, too, and Oklahoma and whoever else we play. LSU, Tech. That's the me, Please have that attitude. Come on, baby. Um, I mean, this is this is football. Yeah, it's violent. Sometimes it can be dirty, and there's cussing. You, <laughs> you want no cussing in football? Well, I heard. I used to hear some fans complaining about it, but you know, uh, don't go to a UGA practice. You're right. Even oh, back then, good Lord. Even even back then, <laughs> even under the former coach, I, you, yeah, you're talking about saying Rick, don't go to UGA practice. Yeah, you're talking about a recruit. I thought you were talking about Georgia basketball, man. Mark Fox turned into John Calipari. Man, <laughs> I tell you what, man, it's amazing how Kirby can be in. Pasadena and still getting four and five star recruits for the basketball team too. <laughs> Can, if mean, you haven't heard, they don't want none of the carrying. Yep, twenty nineteen class Georgia right now is that is that still? I think I saw that right. The twenty nineteen basketball class is number one in the country. I mean, you got to want people to sit down before you found that stuff. Ashton Hagen's number one, what number one player in the state of Georgia point guard, and then today, Elias King, forward, uh, number three player in the state of Georgia, committed to the dogs. I mean, just big-time run, dude. I mean, unbelievable. Hagen's is a number, according to the composite rankings, Hagen's is the number 11 player in the nation. King's is the number 55 in the nation. Hmm. Hagens is the number two point guard, and King is the number 16 small forward. King's 6'7", 185. Wow. And then Hagens as a point guard is 6'4", 185. He's, uh, I mean, he's the number two point guard. Our boy boy Schultz was saying he thinks King will play as a two. Oh, really? Yeah, so, I mean. Talking a six four point guard, a six seven two guard, maybe three sometimes. 
That's not bad height. Definitely. And then we're still working on that 2020 class. <laughs> Mr. Boston needs to – I think he's taking notice of some of these 2019 kids coming in. So You better take some dang notice and get somebody to ask those Georgians what better happen. They <laughs> ask for life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we – We've given Coach Fox and, and Georgia basketball a rough time over the last couple of years. It's somewhat deserved, but you got to give props where props to do. He has definitely amped it up. I don't know if it's Jonas Hayes, you know, coming in. I've, I've heard a lot of good things of him on the recruiting trail. Already and then also this Fox. new assistant coach. Huh? I already told you who it was. All right. The <laughs> I thought it was addition by subtraction you meant in the administration, but uh, uh well, that's I mean it's funny to look at it there. It's funny how Kirby gets here with the number one recruiting class in twenty eighteen football, number one recruiting class twenty nineteen football, all of a sudden Carla's gone and just all of a sudden Mark Fox can recruit now. Right. I mean, come on. None of that is just coincidence. Right. And, and, and well, I mean, and you got to look at the, uh, uh, you know, the whole coaching scandal and Adidas and all those suckers, too. I mean, I'm sure that has a lot to do with it, too. Because, I mean, it's obvious Mark Fox had been playing, paying players. Yeah. Dear yeah, God. I, I mean, that's painfully <laughs> obvious. I think some of the ones that aren't into that, you know, whole scenario, you know, kind of wanted to go maybe gravitate towards the coaches that aren't necessarily in, about that whole way of recruiting, you know? I think that I mean, in the, in the past, and, I mean, I'm not saying bad anything bad about Hagan because I don't have a clue who he is and I don't pay attention to basketball that much, but right. that's just the type recruit, the high-ranking in-state, five-star point guard, six-foot-four, that we would just absolutely miss in the past. Right. I mean, he, he would he be gone to one of the big boys that pay. Right. Kentucky or Duke or Carolina or – Yeah, I mean, and that's not anything personally about him. I don't know him. But as no. far as the ranking goes and all that, I mean, on paper, that's the exact type of recruit that he's – he wouldn't yeah. have a chance to go. But it has to have something to do with that too. But all that stuff isn't just coincidence, do you? No. Um – and Missouri just turned the ball over again. Again. Yeah, I was just about to say, can we just still say that they're a Big 12 member right now? Good God. They're down 21-7 to 7 with five five minutes, a little over five minutes in the second quarter. Texas. One, two of six and six Texas team. Yeah. One fumble will return for a touchdown. They just fumbled again. And they've given up two long touchdowns on wheel routes, basically. Um and they are missing their uh, offensive coordinator. Heifel took the job at Central Florida. True. To replace for all. So, you have somebody yeah. called a play that never Uh-oh. called a play before that obviously isn't good. Right. Because they, you, you got to say, Missouri came in maybe as the hottest team, you know, of the, you know, maybe – what top twenty five you know, lower top twenty fives or, or, or outside the top twenty five. I mean, they won what, seven in a row, six in a row? Six in a row, I think. 
and then to then to rip out your your offensive coordinator who was kind of the your engine, you know, the, your main push. You, you know, they're not necessarily a defensive team for sure. Kind of kind of throws you for a loop, I, I would say. But we'll see. It's still second half to go, but we'll we'll see how it goes. Not looking good right they, now. They really get something together, right? Um, Dre, the other funniest thing I've seen, the funniest thing I've seen today, or the uh, other funniest thing I've seen today, is this video of uh, Isaiah Wynn, Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle, and Kirby Smart riding the, uh, what's call it, ride? Well, Guardians of the, of the Galaxy ride at Disney. Oh. <laughs> if y'all have not seen that, you have to watch that video. You got it on on Field Street Forum. In the oh campus? yeah, I posted it on the board. It is a hilarious. <laughs> I mean, I'm For, surprised. You know, think Roquan. Think Roquan almost broke Kirby Smart's arm. He's holding <laughs> onto it like a little kid holds onto a parent's arm. <laughs> and then oh, poor Nick Chubb, man. I think he started going up and down. He closed his eyes and grit his teeth and just started kicking his feet. <laughs> I'm gonna have to go back and time. It's great. And watch that one. Oh, it's uh, great. Well, we got a call from Texas. Let me see. They were on earlier. Let me see if they're on now. Field Street Forum Radio. Who do we have? Southeast Texas. You there? I thought it might be an Oklahoma fan. I mean, it's kind of that area. Oh, I'll man, bring some Oklahoma news, baby. Uh, I'll try them one more time. They, they won't see what the dollars are talking about. If you're in southeast Texas or if you have a phone from southeast Texas, that you, you, you have the floor. If you have any questions or comments. All right. Hey, we welcome other teams fans, unless it's Auburn. <laughs> Got the Auburn fans, stay your asses away, because if you're getting ugly on Fifth Street Forum Radio, I'll tell you that. But oh, another good video today. That little uh, skit that I get was it the guys that do the uh, had Georgia, the Georgia guy and the Alabama going to the getting on the train and the SEC oh, official the was SEC talking to them. Sports, whatever they are, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was pretty good too. Yeah, they were talking, and then you know, talking about oh, the other guys are here to see you off, and they're like, the Florida guys, like ah, I'm, I'm rooting for Oklahoma, to be honest. <laughs> of course, yeah, it's not. so if true. This, if this Missouri tight end coach is calling the plays, calls another run play, I'm gonna go through my TV and beat him myself. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't hear, I don't. I mean, I go for the SEC and bowl games unless it's Auburn. I was just about to but, say, I, I, yeah, I don't I, really care if they win or not, but he's frustrating the hell out of me. <laughs> I know we've got the SEC chant that gets going and everything, but I, he just I, did it again. <laughs> I'm not necessarily a huge SEC across the board want to win their yeah. bowl game. If it's, you know, Florida, if it's Florida, or, or Florida, I'm going against them. I'm going for the other team. Exactly. I mean, I have, only, you know, Missouri, Vandy, Alabama, Arkansas, LSU, I'll go for all of them. Right. 
Probably not Ole well, Miss. That's all their bull crap. But I mean, yeah. Really, Who our biggest problem. He ran the ball. Oh my God. That's this is why this is why we don't do a freaking podcast during Georgia games because if I'm screaming like this about this freaking idiot Missouri coach, you don't want me to be talking while Georgia's playing. Well then, this moron! Oh my god! I mean, we were what was we were just comparing their stats, how similar they are to, to Oklahoma, and they're sitting here running the ball, and they're trying to be Georgia. Four out of five times. <laughs> He's here trying to be Georgia. Who in the this dude makes oh my god. I guarantee this dude makes at least four times more than what I make. He's trying to confuse them. He, he's trying to catch them by surprise. <laughs> he's confusing everybody. I guarantee you this Oklahoma tight end coach. Three or four times I guarantee you he makes what I make. Hey me. I mean, yeah. I, I, I've never claimed to be some great coach or some great football analyst. I just love UGA and I like talking crap about football. <laughs> hey, me, what are you freaking making to do that? How do I get that job? Dude, I'd do it for, I'd do it for half, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, real quick, I don't know if you – Heard when I was talking to Troy Sadowski earlier about the, you know, like, I think Deion Sanders it must be like the Heinz Ward of Georgia Georgia fan base, you know, wet dream coaching job. <laughs> Except this actually has a chance of happening. They're really talking about it. I just don't see Deion Sanders getting into the college coaching schedule and lifestyle that you have to have, man. It's a grind, bro. I mean, I think he would be a cancer to any locker room, but I mean, if that's what they want to do, then go ahead. As long as I, buddy, I, okay. I, I, I'm a Dion fan. I like Dion, and I, but you know, I think he's a does tries to do a lot of good for kids, and I think he, you know, is a. I think he'd be great. Like I was telling Sadowski, and you know, great in the kids' living rooms and talking to the parents and name recognition and for recruiting, but I cannot see him coming in as a position coach. I, I he's too much of a big mouth and too opinionated, and he won't be able to work under anybody. He'd get fired. He'd, he'd be and how's he going to – the whole thing. And, I, and he, he mentioned it earlier, you know, a lot of times great players don't really make great coaches because it's kind of like, well, dude, just run, just run a 4-3-40 and, you know, get over there and, and cover that play and, you know. <laughs> Not everybody can do what Deion Sanders did, you know. I mean, um, if they want to do it, go ahead. But I mean, whatever. I think it's for the. I think it's just for the splash. You know, it's going to get get the attention of of kids and and everything. Come play for Deion and yeah, and, you know, like you said, his kid is a you know pretty high to do that for a year before the crap hits the fan. So I mean, right. they they might get one or two out of it, but. And, you know, on SiriusXM, they were talking about, you know, well, Dion's got a uh, – and earlier also, Dion's kid is, what, 2019 or 2020, pretty high-end high end recruit. But the thing is, does Florida State really need to hire Dion to bring Dion to Florida State? <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, <laughs> I think they probably got a good advantage already, you know. Um, 
but I don't, I don't know, man. I just I don't I don't see Dion or Hines or any of those guys really wanting to put in that kind of fourteen hour days, you know, seven days a week, six days a week, almost three hundred sixty five days a year, the way college coaches are, you know, successful college coaches. I don't know. But uh, tell you what, man, after a great interview, great chat with, with Troy Sadowski, former dog, I think we're going to wrap it up early tonight. Um, I, just, I just messaged you and said I'm about to have to go. Oh, <laughs> I just got it. Um, but, yeah, I think I think covered everything. Any, anything I missed with recruiting? Oh, um, real quick, can you, anything you can elaborate on? We were expecting – some of us were – thinking there might be a Christmas Day present for Georgia recruiting for 2019. Anything going on with that? Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. All right. Um, All right. Let's wrap it up, man. Dogs playing Monday night. College football playoff. New Year's. New Year's Day. Everybody, and hope everybody had a wonderful Christmas. Um. Got New Year's coming up, starting out 2018 on the right note, hopefully. Um, it's just going to be a fun time, man. Oklahoma 24. All right. I, I, I hope so, dude. It's just, like I said, it's just a strange feeling to have a – to feel this – it's uncomfortable to feel this confident. That's what, that's what, I, that's what I've been saying. And it's, but I, I just think there's too many things in Georgia's favor right now. As long as they don't make nope. any dumb dumb mistakes, you know? You know we have that running joke and so-and-so just did something again? Yeah. I'm, I'm making a new one, and Missouri's offensive coordinator just ran the ball up the middle again. <laughs> Bold. Freaking morons. <laughs> uh, all right, I'm out. All right, brother, appreciate it. If I don't talk to you before, I'm sure I'll talk to you before, but Happy New Year. Oh, yeah, you um, Yeah. Um Appreciate everybody coming on. Um, Troy Sadowski, big thanks. Uh, Cornerstone Estate Planning, uh, give him a follow. Uh, Jason, appreciate it, brother. Uh, it's been a blast this year. Check out FieldStreetForum.com, FieldSTForum.com. Check Field Street Forum, FieldSTForum on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, give me a follow at the Real Dre across all social media. Uh, Man, I just, I don't know. Again, hope everybody had a wonderful Christmas. Uh, hope everybody has a fun and safe New Year's Eve. And definitely bring in the new year on the right note with a huge win in the college football playoff come Monday. Um, i tell you what, I'm going to give Southeast Texas one more shot just to see before we get out of here. Field Street Forum Radio, Southeast Texas, are you there? All right, just listening, I'm going to assume. All right. Again, Field Street Forum. Uh, check out all the stories, news stories, recruiting, sports-wise, uh, on the front page. Hit the Classic City chat. And then the dro- hit it once for the drop-down box. And then hit the most current date. Hit the day, today's date, and it will bring you to the most current chat. And... Uh, up-to-date news and, and 
conversation going on there on the on the message board. Um, I will post the uh, replay from tonight um, across social media and on the board tomorrow morning or maybe late tonight. Depends on how good talk she's going. Um, but again, everybody have a safe and fun New Year's, and 2018 is going to be huge, y'all. Until next week, go dogs. See you. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.